The views and opinions expressed in this program are those of the guests and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the hosts and creators of this program. This is the Pet Buzz. This is the Pet Buzz. Freshly collected with news, celebrity pet gossip, and the latest pet trends. The Pet Buzz gives you the latest 411 on everything pet related. Everything pet related. Hosted by pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and Dr. Michael Fleck. And here's the Dynamic, Dynamic pet, pet Duo. Good morning, I'm pet trendologist Charlotte Reed. And I'm veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. You're listening to the Pet Buzz, the ultimate in pet talk radio, where we want to help you take better care of your pets. We welcome our listeners who tune in each week from around the world. You know, this week on the show, we're talking about the reasons cats pee on your clothing. How Ugh. yucky. Mm-hmm. Well, our feline behaviorist, Dr. Diane Delmain from Auburn University, is going to answer your questions about how to deal with this frustrating problem. So if you're a cat owner, this cute Q&A session is being held in segment number four. P.U. What's that smell? Well, our friend Tommy adopted a new pooch. His dog Chauncey is quite the digger. And as a result, Tommy found that his property should be called Skunk Hill. His new estate, Skunk Hill. Skunk Hill. In the wee hours of the Saturday morning, Chauncey got sprayed and ran in the house. Tommy spent the weekend trying to get the stench off the dog, his house, and all of his property. In segment three, we brought in a skunk expert, chemist, Dr. William Wood, to help prevent this from happening to us. And K Sarah Sarah was the theme song of the Doris Day show. Doris passed away this past week, but on the show today, we're going to talk about the animal legacy that she leaves behind in the celebrity news portion of the show. Also in segment two is Flex Facts. Dr. Fleck is talking about how to deal with the side effects of flea and tick medication. But now let's kick off the show with our first guest, Steve Haskins, senior correspondent at the Blood Horse, who's holding on the phone. Good morning, Steve. Good morning. How are you? I'm great. The last time we had you on the show, you were gung-hung about Omaha Beach. It was a derby scratch a few days later. But that's old news. So let's talk the Derby hot mess with maximum security and country house. I still like Omaha Beach. (laughs) (laughs) Of course you do. Of course you do. Me too. Well, you know, it was set up perfectly for him. The track was sloppy, which he loves. Uh huh. Speed was holding up throughout the, the whole race. And he was, he would have been sitting right off the pace. He was the best horse in the race. He would have beaten those horses. But what can you do? That's, that's horse racing, as they say. But the way the race turned out was a total, total mess. I'm sort of ambivalent about the the disqualification. Mm-hmm. At first, I was uh, I was appalled by it. You know, I look at it in different angles, and sometimes I look at it and I, you know, I could see I could see where the horse came out, and I could see the problem that was caused. Other angles, you look at it, and it didn't look as bad. Mm-hmm. And then you look at some angles, but you know, where they have the super slow motion, and it did look like War of Will's feet actually clipped maximum security's back legs you know when he came back with you know with cuts on him so maybe that caused it maybe that you know by getting by hitting him in the back it spooked him and he uh and he ducked out war of will you look at it you say you know he really shouldn't have been there in the first place you know it all depends on how you look at it you know the bottom line is that it's just it's just sad for all parties involved even the winners because i i spoke to bill mott i was in saratoga over the weekend and I spoke to Bill Mott, you know, for like an hour. And you could see, you know, everything was tempered. I mean, he he didn't act like a person who had just won the Kentucky Derby. And he didn't even 
do that on, on Derby Day. He realized it was bittersweet, and he realized that his horse was not the best horse in the race, and he wasn't bothered at all. So it just was a crazy set of circumstances. The stewards don't call, have a steward's inquiry, number one. Number two, the first jockey that claims foul is a jockey that has absolutely nothing to do with the incident, and the jockey that was hurt the most by it doesn't claim foul. So, I mean, none of that makes any sense. It just makes it and really a messy situation. But I think really this is. will have a long-term... And, and exa- exacerbate the situation, they suspend the poor jockey 15 days, which is unheard of. That yeah. jockey did not do anything deliberate. It was not careless riding. He tried his best to get that horse to come back in again. To suspend him 15 days, to me, is just saving their, quote, but because, they, you know, they, there's, if there's legal action coming... I think the legal action is coming, and I think that the, the situation and the potential lawsuits that are coming down the pike are going to affect uh, derbies to come. I mean, at the end of the day, Definitely. I mean, the weather had a lot to do with what happened. Who knows? I mean, so how is this? How is the absence of country house and maximum security going to affect the Preakness? Well, I don't think the uh, absence of country house is going to affect it at all, but there's a lot of people really, you know, don't recognize him as the true winner. Mm-hmm. A lot of people still recognize maximum security as the true winner. Like President Trump. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> now, even people who agreed with the disqualification agree that maximum security was the best horse in the race. That he was, he was the horse that deserved to win. He was the best horse in the race. That's even the people that, that, that were uh, pro disqualification. He, and he was the best horse in the race. Um, with his style of running, he would have added a lot to the Preakness. You know, even coming back now, you know, lo- looking for retribution uh, to come back and beat these horses and show that he was the best horse. But unfortunately, the combination, you know, he did suffer the cuts. But I think the real reason he's not going is that the owner is so upset about this. He's so sickened over it. He doesn't want to have anything to do with the Triple Crown anymore. I know. He said Churchill Downs was really greedy. I mean, like if you look at it like this way, the payout would have been $42 million on that one race, something along those, versus Mm -hmm. what was the payout on people who put money on Country House. Anyway, I think a lot of Louisvillians are kind of upset because year after year, the weather is always horrible. You spend all this money for the tickets. And, you know, I mean, let's face it, a sweatshirt at Churchill Downs is 88 bucks. I know everybody has to make their money. And I, it, it's gotten to the point where it's so ridiculous. Then you can't even enjoy the race because it's pouring down raining like it was this year, you know, which means if you want to continue to enjoy the derbies, you got to spend more money and more money for a better ticket each year. You know, you, you don't want your hat to get wet. I mean, I, I ran into Christine Moore. She's a dear friend of mine. She asked me what I was wearing. I said, honey, I'd love to wear one of your hats, but it's going to be a horrible day. So I'm wearing uh, I'm wearing my old stuff, you know, the old stuff back in the closet from years ago. But I mean, I think really what's really going to happen is I think that a lot of people are not going to be interested in the triple crown racing this year because of what happened. I think it left a bad taste in people's mouth. And I think a lot of people aren't going to want to go to the Preakness, let alone the Belmont. For sure. I mean, Belmont, you know, they're lucky if they get, you know, 55,000, 60,000, you know, I mean, which, which sounds like a lot, but compared to the 90,000 that they'll get and, the, and all the 100,000 they used to get before they limited the crowd. But, you know, what's ironic is that the, the, um, the TV ratings for the Derby was like the highest in, in like 25 years. 
for some reason, this this derby attracted a lot of uh, a lot of maybe there's a lot of people that were brought in from from Justify last year. I don't know, but a lot of people watched that race. And now the Preakness and the Belmont are just going to be races. They're not going to have that same Triple Crown feeling to them. No, because people are going to look at it like saying, "Well, you know, we got a bunch of leftovers from the Derby, <laughs> well, we got, and we don't have the excitement." And we got and we got sick horses. Winner. We got a few uh, horses that were supposed to, or maybe thinking about, or the owners were thinking about running for. Now they're sick. You know who I think is going to benefit though? The one man who had so many. I think Bill Baffert might win the Preakness with one of his horses. And now, if you don't win the Derby. Trainers don't want to come back in the Preakness anymore. No, they, they want to cash in. The they want to cash in on those stud fees. Okay, I've got one last question for you. So, do you think the Preakness is going to move to Laurel Park? <laughs> I, I I hope not. As a historian, I would love to see it stay where it is. But I, I understand the thinking. But, you know, I've never really gone to Pimlico as a fan. I've always gone. I've always had all the amenities. I still like it. But I think that there is a pretty decent chance. The fact that they had to tear down part of the grandstand now because it was unsafe. And they really are trying to promote Laurel. And Laurel's in a much nicer setting. It's out in the woods. It's not quite as convenient if you're coming from the north. It's farther closer to Washington than it is to Baltimore. But I think there is a good chance it's going to move, uh, it's going to move there, unfortunately. But I hope not. Steve, it's always a pleasure having you on. How can we find you? You can always find me on bloodhorse.com. And anybody who anybody has a question, feel free to email me at uh, sehaskin at aol.com. I'm more than willing to talk racing or answer anybody's questions. Well, that was Steve Haskin, our absolute favorite racing journalist. And if you're looking for me this weekend, you could probably find me at the Preakness. You want to stick around with us because a little later in today's show, Dr. Fleck and I are talking about how Walmart is turning up the heat on the pet channel by opening more vet clinics across the country. Look for that info in the global pet news portion of the show. But up next, we'll be chatting with feline behaviorist Dr. Diane Delmain about what to do with a cat who pisses on your clothes. As I always say, there ain't nothing in the world like cat piss. It just ruins everything. When your doctor recommended omega fatty acids as a daily supplement, he told you that they promoted better heart, brain, skin, joint, and immune system health. Well, doesn't it make sense for your pet to have the same health benefits? EpiPet Whole Fish Treat, an all-natural smoked fish supplement, is 100% bioavailable, bringing your pets the nutrients they need to keep them healthy and happy. To order better pet health for your dog or cat, visit www.epi-pet.com. I'm petrondologist Charlotte Reed, and research shows walking at least a half an hour every day can reduce a person's risk for heart disease and other serious illnesses. So regular walking is a great way to live a long and happy life. For most dogs, an hour of physical activity each day is necessary and will help them lead healthier lives free of disease. Walking a dog does not only have a physical benefit, there are plenty of psychological benefits for both the dog and the owner. There are so many smells, sights, and sounds in the outdoors that a dog is mentally stimulated every time he or she walks out the front door. Taking a dog on a walk will also help to solidify the strong bond between you and your animal. Give your dog some positive attention 
attention by doing what he or she loves. Take your dog out for a neighborhood walk today. Welcome back, and thank you for joining us on the Pet Buzz this morning. This show is hosted by the Dynamic Pet Duo. I'm pet trendologist Charlotte Reed. And I'm veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. You know, I was so touched this week because I, I want to remind everybody about Doris Day. Do you remember Doris Day? Oh, my, she was a sweetheart of mine. Well, Doris Day had a career that spanned through radio, film, TV, and perhaps most famously, the beloved, sweetly innocent sex comedies of the 1960s, <laughs> most notably with her dear friend and co-star, Rock Hudson. Well, this past Monday, she died. She was 97 years old. And after leaving CBS, that was her the Doris Day show. That was one of the last things she did. She started her own nonprofit, the Doris Day Pet Foundation, in the late 70s. And what I found so interesting about Doris Day and the Pet Foundation was she focused on the issue that meant the most to her, finding homes for the too many animals that were being destroyed simply because there weren't not enough good homes. And one star famously was quoted as saying, we all had at least one of those Doris Day animals. If you would see Doris on the street or in the studio, chances are you would end up with some homeless cat or or dog Doris was sponsoring. She used to carry photos around of the animals who needed homes. And then once you agreed to take one, she'd actually come over to inspect your house to make sure you were up for it. And you know, isn't it interesting that the foundation is the one that announced her death? Yeah. I also heard a story about Doris and her love on animals on the set of the Hitchcock film while they were filming in Morocco, mm-hmm. the man who knew too much. With fellow animal lover, Jimmy Stewart, mm-hmm. she surprised everyone and she said she wouldn't work unless the emaciated animals on or near the set received proper care. So they responded to her concerns and the production company promptly set up a feeding station for the goats, lambs, horses, cows, dogs, cats, and all the animals. Doris, of course, supervised the care and feeding and was happy with results and finished the movie. Okay, well, to complement the Doris Day Pet Foundation, she formed the Doris Day Animal League in 1987, a national nonprofit citizens lobbying organization whose overriding mission is to reduce the pain and the suffering of non-human animals through legislative initiatives, education, and programs to develop and enforce statutes and regulations protecting animals. In 1995, Doris and the Doris Day Animal League founded Spay Day USA, which is now known as World Spay Day under the auspices of the Humane Society of the United States. This annual event has reached global proportion and has helped spay and neuter more than 1.5 million animals in the first 15 years since its inception. In 2007, the Doris Day Animal League merged with the Humane Society of the United States for an even greater legislative voice in Washington. What amazing! work she did she will always be remembered and i want to say rest in peace doris and godspeed well now let's move forward with flex facts welcome to just the facts just the facts fact or fiction just the facts man your challenge is to separate what is true what is true from what is false it's going to take long you got the time Today, we're going to talk to you, Dr. Fleck, about what you need to know about flea and tick medication. You know, hundreds of pesticides, repellents, and growth inhibitors 
are available to protect your pet from flea and tick bites. Some of these products are available and can only be bought from veterinarians, while others can only be bought over the counter. So flea and tick products range from pills given by mouth to collars, sprays, dips, shampoos, powders, and spot-on liquid products squeezed onto a dog or cat skin, usually between the shoulder blades or down the back. Wow, I didn't realize there's so many flea and tick products. Well, a few spot-on products are even available for flea control in ferrets and horses. Can you believe it? But are all flea and tick products safe, Dr. Fleck? Are they safe for our pets? They can be, but some pets have gotten very ill and others have died from some of the flea and tick products because for some animals... They may be a little too toxic. Wow. Well, I'm glad we're here talking about this. Okay. So I have my first question really is when getting flea and tick products, what's the first thing that a pet owner should do? Read the instructions. Okay. And read the instructions and read the instructions. Okay. And apply only as the instructions indicate. So the pet owner needs to take the time to carefully read all the label package inserts and any accompanying literature to make sure They're using the product correctly. If you don't understand the wording, ask the vet or call the manufacturer. That's a great idea. Even if you've used the product many times before, read the label each time because the directions or the warnings may change. Then follow the directions exactly. If the product is for dogs, don't use it on cats. That's real important. Mm -hmm. Or any other pets. If the label says use weekly, don't use it daily. Mm-hmm. If the product is for, for the house or the yard, don't put it directly on the pet. And I've, I've heard about those mistakes before. Okay, so what happens? Is it possible for a pet to have a reaction to a flea and tick medication? And what should pet parents do if your pet does have a reaction? Yes, they can have a reaction. So you need to monitor your pet, you know, for any side effects after you apply product. That okay. makes sense, okay? So monitor your pet for the side effects after applying the product, particularly when using the product on your pet for the first time. Yeah, that's a good point. Symptoms of poisoning include maybe poor appetite, depression, vomiting, diarrhea, or lots of times they'll see excessive salivation. Okay. If your pet experiences a bad reaction from a spot-on or a rub-on product, Mm -hmm. immediately bathe the pet with mild shampoo, rinse with large amounts of water, and call your veterinarian immediately. Yeah. I mean, I never thought about bathing your pet, but I guess you want to bathe all that toxic product out. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, what if you live in a home with multiple cats, like dogs and cats? Well, especially if you're using a rub-on or a spot-on. Mm-hmm. The other animals rub-on or spot-on, particularly dog products that with cats around. The cat comes up, rubs on the dog. Then that might be too toxic for the cat. So, Make sure that you separate after applying the product until it dries to prevent one animal from grooming another or ingesting the drug or the pesticide. Hmm, I always wondered, what organizations regulate flea and tick medication? Well, they're regulated by either or the FDA and the Environmental Protection Agency. The FDA is responsible for regulating animal drugs. However, some products to control external parasites come under the jurisdiction of the EPA. FDA and EPA always work together to ensure adherence to all the applicable laws and regs. In general, flea and tick products that are given orally or by injection are regulated by the FDA. Uh, But before an animal drug is allowed on the market, the FDA must approve it. 
before a pesticide can be marketed, the EPA must register it. That's good to know. Well, any last words of advice? Wash your hands. Every time you apply any product, especially topicals, mm-hmm. wash your hands immediately and use protective gloves if you if you possibly can when applying okay. that. And store products away from food and out of the reach of everybody. Great advice. Thank you so much, Dr. Fleck. Well, we're going to take a commercial break, but still to come on the Pet Buzz Global Pet News about how Walmart is expanding its pet business. Also in segment four, we'll be getting advice about cats peeing on clothes. But up next, we're talking about you and Fido getting skunked. You are listening to The Pet Buzz with pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. We would love to communicate with you via social media. Use the Pet Buzz social media channels on Twitter and Facebook to make a comment or ask a question. Post a picture of your pet on Instagram and tell us about his or her unique personality. You can also write to us at team at thepetbuzz.com. For more information about our show, our guests, and buzzworthy freebies, visit us at thepetbuzz.com. I used to move a lot, but then one day the human said I could stay. They say a lot of words like no and don't chew on that. And sometimes brother and sister get mad at me for pulling their tail or biting their ears. But at the end of the day, when I snuggle up with Mr. Piggy, it's good to know I have a home. Make a dog's day. Adopt. Does your pet have dry, flaky, and itchy skin? Do you find yourself visiting the veterinarian repeatedly because Fido or Fluffy has skin allergies or ear infections? EpiPet to the rescue. Developed by a veterinarian, EpiPet is a revolutionary, high-performance skin and ear care product line made with the finest natural ingredients. EpiPet, for you and your pet, means better pet health. For more information, visit epi-pet.com. Welcome back. You're listening to the Best in Pet Talk Radio. I'm petronologist Charlotte Reed. I'm veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. You know, Dr. Fleck, before we bring on our next guest, I just want to tell you about the thing in my life that I cannot live without. You know mm. what it is? No. It's my Bissell Power Fresh Deluxe Steam Mop Hard Floor Cleaner. As a pet owner, we need to keep our floors free of bacteria and harmful chemicals, and we can do this with the Bissell Power Fresh Deluxe Steam Mop. It uses hot steam to loosen the stuck-on dirt, while a spot boost brush eliminates the difficult messes for faster cleaning. This Bissell Power Fresh Deluxe allows you to actually choose the right amount of steam to get the job done. It is about $80, and it's worth every single penny of it. So refreshing. I'm glad it's the most important thing in your life. (laughs) I have to say, it's really how I start my day, vacuuming and steam cleaning the kitchen floor after the pets eat their meal. I mean, pets can be You mean our seven dogs and one cat? Our seven dogs and one cat. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, thanks for letting me share my I likey of the week with y'all. But, you know, with warmer weather, many of us like to hit the hiking trails on the weekends. I'm sure that you won't be doing that, Dr. Fleck, because you have to work. Yes. Or taking a long walk around the neighborhood with the dog in the evening. But like many people, what would you do if you see a skunk? Run. You'd run. A lot of us would stop at our tracks, 
for fear of being sprayed. Run. And joining us today to talk about skunks and what to do if you get sprayed by these animals is Humboldt State University Emeritus Professor Dr. William Wood, who taught organic and general chemistry. His research is centered in the area of chemical ecology, specifically how plants and animals use chemicals to convey messages. Wow, that must have been smelly research. Dr. Wood, good morning, and thank you for joining the Pet Buzz. Well, thank you. I'm glad to be here. So was it really smelly research, doctor? <laughs> for it wasn't of- as smelly as it could have been because <laughs> I used fume hoods the whole time. Oh, cheater. And so worked inside those and with gloves so I didn't get any on my hands. Okay. Can you imagine going home? Brutal, like brutal. So what are the benefits of skunks to the environment? Well, skunks are a small carnivore, uh, and they eat insects. Uh, I actually have them come to my lawn at my house and dig down and eat the grubs that would eat the roots of the insects, so they actually help the lawn. Some of the Native Americans around here really like the spotted skunk around their houses because they eat mice. Okay. I don't think that's for me, but, you know, moving on. So when and where would a human encounter a skunk? Is it like during the day? Is it on the hiking trail? Is it at night? At night, and I would say mostly because they're nocturnal, usually in suburbs, not out in the woods as much, because people are always now putting out cat food for their cats outside their doors. Interesting. Hmm. So what should you do if you encounter a skunk, and what does a skunk do before he sprays? Well, usually they'll warn you with their tail up. In fact, they'll put their tail up many times just if they recognize you're around. and But I've met skunks. I've never been sprayed, but I've met skunks very closely out in the woods. And skunks can turn around so they are facing you and have their rear end towards you where they can spray <laughs> so they can get a good shot at you. And I was about uh, four feet from this one, and I backed away slowly one way, and it backed away slowly other. So I would just say, you know, don't startle a skunk or rush at it. It's just slowly walk away if you encounter a skunk. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a little hard, a little bit more difficult. It's one thing if you're by yourself on the hiking trail, but if with, if you're with your dog, you know, maybe he starts to bark. I guess you need to tell him to be quiet and back up, you know, learn well, the backup dogs, command. Dogs, they, they, they look at dogs as predators, and so that's an entirely different thing. They would view that as someone might attack them. And so they will spray then very frequently if they are scared of a dog. And so you never want to alarm a skunk, especially if you have a dog. If a dog (laughs) lunges at it, they're likely to spray. Yeah, it sounds like if you're with your dog on the hiking trail, you're screwed. Well, if you've just joined (laughs) us, we're talking with Dr. William Wood from Humboldt State University about skunk spraying. Okay, so how and what does the skunk spray? You told us that. He turns and looks at you, and then it's got his booty up in the air and then sprays you. But why does it smell so nasty? Well, it has a chemical called thiols in them, and they have sulfur in a a reduced form, and our nose is probably more sensitive to sulfur compounds of that type than any other chemical. And I imagine most 
mammals are the same way because they're scared off by the skunk spray. And you can you can smell skunk spray in, in one part per ten billion. Yeah. I've been lucky I never got so, sprayed by so, so how do you get rid of that pungent smell? Well, there's several ways to do it. First of all, if it's outside, you just let it go. It'll <laughs> waft away. Uh, but if you get it on your clothes, uh-huh. bleach works very well. A dilute bleach, will, because it changes the chemical to one that's not smelly. Mm. It's very close to the detergent and toothpaste chemically. And if it's on your animal, first of all, don't bring your animal inside the house. I've heard of more people doing that. And then a mixture of one bottle or quart of hydrogen peroxide, 3%, half a cup of baking soda, and a little bit of soap was developed by a fellow named Paul Kerbaum, and it works wonderfully. I put it on a website, and within about five years, had half a million visits. Oh, my gosh. That's a lot of people getting sprayed or a lot of pets <laughs> getting sprayed. You said hydrogen peroxide, baking soda. And what was and it? a little bit of dish detergent. And just, okay, and a little bit of dish detergent. We'll, 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 we'll go to your website we're to gonna, get that We'll make cocktail. sure we... It's on almost every website now. Okay. Wow. And that works? Do you have to do it once or twice? Or do- yeah, you might have to do it twice, but but I've gotten more emails from people saying, well, we brought the dog into the bathtub, and the dog doesn't smell anymore, but how do we get it out of the house? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay, so make sure you've got a leash and collar outside just in case you can attach the dog while you collect all your supplies. Okay, other than the stench, are skunks dangerous to humans? Do they carry diseases? Uh, they carry rabies at times. Okay. Uh, and so that would be the only case that I know that they would be dangerous to humans. The spray actually could be toxic in, in large concentrations. There have been dogs who have died, these little terriers that they've used to go underground during fox hunts. Mm-hmm. And uh, the terrier gets down there and gets sprayed by massive amounts of, of skunk spray and have actually died. Wow. But I don't think that it would be, you know, humans are not going to crawl down in a hole and have a skunk keep spraying them. You know, for those people that have skunks around their house that don't want them there, how do they get rid of them? There's a number of things that to get rid of skunks around houses is, first of all, they like living under the houses at times. Uh, and so... The best way to keep them from living under your house, if you know that they're there, is to put a light under there at night. And so they will leave during the night and then come back and decide they're going to go sleep someplace else. But the other thing to keep them away from your house is don't put cat food outside. I've had friends do that. And I've also had uh, friends having dinner in their house and I skunk will come through their cat door and, you know, eat the cat food that is there in a dish by the cat door next to their dining table while they sat very quietly and then (laughs) uh, go on out the cat door. How frightening. (laughs) That is so frightening, imagine. Imagine if you're having a dinner party and skunk just comes. Guess who's who's coming to dinner? Well, thank you so much. We had a lot of fun and we learned a lot about skunks. Well, everyone, that was Dr. William Wood, 
Emeritus Professor at Humboldt State University. What's next? When we come back, we'll fill you in on Pet Buzz Global News and how to deal with your cat peeing on your clothes. All right, Sherry. The courtship is over. You are my peanut. I am your brittle. You are listening to The Pet Buzz with pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. We would love to communicate with you via social media. Use the Pet Buzz social media channels on Twitter and Facebook to make a comment or ask a question. Post a picture of your pet on Instagram and tell us about his or her unique personality. You can also write to us at team at thepetbuzz.com. For more information about our show, our guests, and buzzworthy freebies, visit us at thepetbuzz.com. Warmer temperatures mean more time outside. You have sunscreen for yourself, but what about Fido? According to the American Animal Hospital Association and the American College of Veterinary Dermatology, pets need sunscreen too. Use EpiPet Sun Protector, the only FDA-approved pet sunscreen on short-haired, light-colored, hairless, golden retrievers, and other dogs susceptible to skin cancer. Contained in a sports bottle, EpiPet allows you to turn the bottle upside down, making it easier to spray your dog all over to protect your dog from the sun all day and every day. Visit epi-pet.com. Often should you bathe your pet? Well, I'm pet trendologist Charlotte Reed, and I'm asked that question often. How often you should wash your dog depends on a number of factors, including his health, breed, coat, and activity level, as well as where these activities are taking place. Dogs who spend days outside rolling and things are going to need a bath far more often than the ones who spend most of their time on the couch. Or you can always take the smell test. If your dog walks into the room and you can smell them, it's time for a bath. Make sure when it's time for a bath, you gather up all the supplies, including a non-slip mat and plenty of towels. Use shampoo formulated for dogs and turn your cell phone off to avoid distraction. And if you have a dog that hates getting a bath, smear some peanut butter on the bathtub wall and let him lick it off while you bathe him. Then he'll know bathing can really be a treat. I'm pet Charlotte Reed. And I'm veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. Here at the Pet Buzz, we are urban, suburban, and, and country. country. And now, Pet Buzz news from around the globe. Well, now it's time for our big news. The biggest news of last week. Did y'all hear about Walmart? Walmart is opening up a dozen more veterinary clinics in its stores and launching its first online pet pharmacy, hoping to lure more U.S. pet owners who are spending billions of dollars each year on their dogs and cats. I didn't even know Walmart had vet clinics. Did you? No, I didn't. Well, the biggest retailer in the world already operates 21 veterinary clinics in its stores across six states. But over the next 12 months, it will grow that number to 100. It'll start the expansion by opening nine new clinics in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. There, pets can receive vaccinations, care for minor illnesses, and other routine exams. Walmart also will launch an online pet pharmacy, walmartpetrx.com, rivaling PetSmart's e-commerce business, Chewy.com, which also has an online pharmacy unit. Walmart will also bring the 30 most popular pet medications to its 4,500 in-store pharmacies, making them available for same-day pickup. Its website will offer low-cost prescriptions for dogs 
cats, horses, and livestock from more than 300 brands. I think that's going to be a real competition to local veterinarians. Great for the consumer. You think so? Oh, I think so, yeah. Well, just so you know, we post pet news every day on our social media channels. This way you won't miss any breaking news. Check us out at the Pet Buzz on Facebook and Twitter. Is our next guest on the phone yet? Okay, great. Well, our next guest is going to talk about common cat problems. So one of the biggest problems I hear from my friends now, I've never had this problem, but you've probably had this problem come up in your office, Dr. Fleck, correct? Many clients come with this problem. What do you do when your cat pees on your clothes? Well, it creates two major problems. Firstly, it ruins your clothes. It can be very difficult to get the smell of cat urine out of the fabric. And secondly, you're worried about your cat's health. What could possibly be causing your cat to spray your clothes, whether it's on a regular basis or whether it's all of a sudden? Erratic, yeah. Yeah. So veterinary behaviorist Diane Delmain is here to tell us. Dr. Delmain is a diplomat of the American Board of Veterinary Practitioners in the feline specialty. She joined the faculty at Auburn University Veterinary Clinic in 2018. Good morning, Dr. Delmain, and welcome to the Pest Buzz. Well, thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Knowing that you would be with us, Dr. Delmain, we have many frustrated listeners who wrote in to ask you <laughs> questions about their cats urinating on their possessions. So we're going to start with Shoshana. She's from New York City, and she tweeted us, Why is Dexter peeing all over my clothes? Hopefully she's not wearing them. <laughs> 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 First of all, we have to figure out, is this a medical problem or is it a behavior problem? Cats can also get this kind of crazy condition called interstitial cystitis, which is where behavior and medical problems actually overlap. And stress can activate pain and inflammation pathways in the bladder. When we talk about stress, my goodness, cats can be stressed by a lot of things. They're (laughs) actually social little animals. They're very territorial, and then they can be fussy about their litter boxes. So we really probably need to get a lot more information to figure out which way to go with that. I think that's a good point. So remember when you were talking to your vet people out there, our listening audience, really kind of fill in the picture for your veterinarian or your cat behaviorist. Yeah, and don't try to solve the problem yourself. Ask the veterinarian to help. Get an expert. So from Pittsburgh, we got Dan, Dan, the cat man. And he posts something on our Facebook page. We just moved and my kitty Boo is peeing on everything. Please help. Oh, Catman, that is terrible. (laughs) I guess my first question would be, were there cats in this house before he moved in? Or maybe are there cats outside that his cat is reacting to? A lot of people think that cats are not very social, but they really are. Cats will divide into what we call affiliated groups, which are friends, and non-affiliated groups, which are not friends. They communicate primarily by scent. They like to rub their cheek glands on things like the corners of your rooms, which we find acceptable. But when they mark with urine, it's really not acceptable. I would suspect his cat is reacting to some non-affiliated cats. He needs to clean his house so that they can't smell it and maybe block views and figure out if there's outdoor cats he needs to react to. Now, we also don't know if Kitty Boo is a male or a female, and both female and male cats, do they both spray? 
Oh, absolutely. Okay, so that's and good they to can know. Be. Yeah. Okay, so this next question is from Maya from Jackson, Mississippi. She sent us an email that her cat cries and howls when he visits the litter box, but then he eventually will pee on her bed. What does she do? Well, I am really concerned that Maya's cat is in pain. He needs to go to the vet today. Mm. There are a lot of things that can cause pain in the bladder in cats, of course, inflammation, but this is a cat who could have crystals or stones. He's a male cat, which means that he's at risk of a potentially fatal bladder obstruction. People always think that these cats have bladder infections, but they're actually quite rare, particularly in young cats. Only about 2% of young cats actually have bacterial infections. So Drew and Guy wrote that they just moved again and somehow their cat's litter box had gone missing. Okay, it's gone. So they got a new one, but a different type of litter box, and their cat, Major Whiskers, refuses to use it, but prefers to pee on their dirty laundry. They know that this Mm. has never happened before when they moved, and they've moved many times. So what does this all mean? Cats are really particular about elimination. In the wild, cats prefer a loose sort of soil. They like to go on the edge of their territory, and they really want to feel safe and have privacy. So ideally, we want to sort of try to provide that for cats in the house. A litter box should be about one and a half times the length of a cat, so many commercial boxes are too small. Cats prefer unscented litter. They don't like lids in general. It's really unnatural for a cat to go in a cave. And then it has to be clean. We really need to scoop it every day, dump it every week. I'll say no one likes a dirty bathroom. And just an analogy is I know that there is one gas station that I will never stop at again when I travel. (laughs) So in other words, Drew and Guy need to get that litter box (laughs) back. back. Absolutely. (laughs) Well, Dr. Delmain, we appreciate you coming in helping to cure some of the anxiety of some of our feline uh, pet owners out there. But before you leave, could you please be so kind as to give us your website so we can learn more about you and cat behavioral problems? Well, sure. I am on the Auburn University website under faculty. I am the feline specialist here. So that's where you can find information about me. Great. Thank you so much for being with us. That was veterinarian Dr. Diane Dalmain of Auburn University Veterinary Clinic. Well, that's the bell signifying it's time to wrap up the show. Before we go, we want to give you a preview of next week's show. So next week, we're going to talk about Brexit, canine brucellosis, and pet allergies. And Dr. Fleck, before we go, can you thank our guests? Special thanks to our guests, Steve Haskin, Dr. William Wood, and Dr. Diane Delmain. And of course, we must always thank our sponsors, the Animal Medical Center of Bradenton and EpiPet, making better skin, coat, and ear care products for healthier pets everywhere. So if you have a question, write us at team at thepetbuzz.com. We'll cover it on our next show. And just so you know, you can follow along on our social media channels as the show airs. And if you've missed any portion of this show, visit our social media channels and listen to the linked podcast on Monday morning. Most importantly, remember, we're here each week to help you take better care of your pets. Peace out and pet love. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Pet Buzz. 
The Pet Buzz is hosted by the dynamic pet duo, pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and Dr. Michael Fleck. Tune in each week for the latest 411 on everything pet related. Visit our website at www.thepetbuzz.com. Learn more about us, the show, and our guests. Warmer temperatures mean more time outside. You have sunscreen for yourself, but what about Fido? According to the American Animal Hospital Association and the American College of Veterinary Dermatology, pets need sunscreen too. Use EpiPet Sun Protector, the only FDA-approved pet sunscreen on short-haired, light-colored, hairless, golden retrievers, and other dogs susceptible to skin cancer. Contained in a sports bottle, EpiPet allows you to turn the bottle upside down, making it easier to spray your dog all over to protect your dog from the sun all day and every day. Visit epi-pet.com. Hey, did you know 2.4 million loving cats and dogs in shelters and rescues need our help to find a home? Let's go to the shelterpetproject.org and meet a few who are in a shelter near you. Harlow. Ooh, she's one great listener who loves to hear all your stories. My kind of cat. Cerulo is a sweet, goofy boy who's eager to please. Sounds just like another dog I know. So go to the shelterpetproject.org, search your local shelters and rescues, and go for a cuddle with your next best friend. Adopt. 